You know, I think one of the things that differentiates my school you know, from other martial arts schools um, in the area um, is that we, in addition to teaching the physical skills, the kicking, punching, and self-defense, we also incorporate into our program uh, character development, leadership development training, which is a specific uh, program that's uh, proprietary to us. And we, we uh, all students, that's part of their curriculum is they, they have to work on their, their character worksheets, you know, making sure they're doing their chores at home without being asked. Uh, being kind to their family members, um, teachers at school, um, eating healthy, you know, exercising, uh, helping out in the community, as well as uh, turning in worksheets on what we call words of the month. So every every month there's a word and we talk to the students and they have to uh, answer those questions and show that they're retaining some knowledge in that as well. So that's that's kind of our, our deal. So we're as, as I like to say, we're, we're, uh, leaders are formed. So. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, Matt Browse here, the host of these conversations. I'm also the guy behind the camera at Pohada Photography. Please do follow both of those institutions on Instagram and Facebook, at the Pohada Podcast and at Pohada Photography. This time around, I've got another conversation with a friend and training partner of mine from our Fair Jiu-Jitsu Academy. He is a white belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but something of an expert in other forms of martial arts. He's also a gym owner and a coach. And after a few conversations we had relating to coaching philosophy and program development, I knew it was going to be a good choice to have him on the show. So without further ado, the owner of USA Karate in Rosemount, Minnesota, Mr. Steve Simi. Like decided on to take, his, on take his back. to the ground. I was like, <laughs> next thing I know, I'm on the on the ground in a guillotine and my neck was getting cranked. I was like, what are you doing? Uh let me ask you this. Was this an experienced person? No, it was it a not. fellow noob? Okay. Well, it was a yeah, it was a fellow noob like me. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I was like, dude, what are you doing? Where'd you we're, learn that move? We're both going to die. We got to go to work in the morning. Stop this. <laughs> yeah. It's like mental note to self. Don't roll with him again. Correct. Probably doesn't even show up anymore. I don't, I haven't seen him. So. Yeah. Gen, gen, that's the thing. This is maybe a good place to start with this conversation is that's a thing that I, I, you hear that phrase in a lot of areas, especially like physical endeavors, but I've, I've heard it more than anywhere in jujitsu where the oddballs, either weed themselves out or get weeded out. Like the wild card guys don't stick around. The people who maybe were putting themselves or other people at risk, either out of ignorance or just weirdness tend to disappear. I would agree with that. So yeah, we had had some people even uh, in stand up uh, karate where they wanted to just come in and, you know, try to break the heavy bags when they kick them and, Mm -hmm. Um, do the open hand slap so it sounds louder. Yeah, I mean, stuff. just different things, and uh, you know, their 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 goal seemed to be like, I'm gonna see if I can break this heavy bag, but they never they never last. So because it sounds exhausting. <laughs> I think it is exhausting. Yeah, but jeez. Uh, what do you mean karate? 
Let's let's jump into this. Tell me about your your gym and such. Sure. So, we'll do the jujitsu thing, but you're a white belt. I'm a blue belt. Nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> you know, I agree with you yeah. there. So let's, um, let's talk karate. So um, my school is uh, USA Karate down in Rosemount. So it's a uh, uh, Pat Worley, Gordon Franks. You might have heard of them. Um, but USA Karate, and uh, we're more of a stand up style, focusing. It's kind of a, a misnomer, the, the karate term, because it actually mm-hmm. comes from uh, Jun Ri, who was known as the father of American Taekwondo. But story goes that he had a seminar down at the uh, University of Texas, I believe, and called it Taekwondo. No one showed up. So somebody said, oh, well, it's karate. So he called it Korean karate, and then it took off. And yeah. so we're known now as USA karate. And that's where the, the Worley brothers would have bumped into it right? correct they're, they, texas uh, they're texas guys and then they they spent some time out in washington dc uh training underneath june Ree, and then came to uh, the midwest and and started what is now known as usa karate and in the sister uh company national karate um two different brothers but they um they started in 1973 so working on 50 years in in the midwest here so and that's the style you teach it at your school, correct? Yep. So it's a it's a stand up style, but it it it, it kind of blends uh, the strikes of Taekwondo uh, with um, some more Western influences as well. With we we do some striking with our hands, so it's not the traditional ITF or WTF style. Um, still teaching a, a boxing uh, Western Western style with it, kind of a blended style, and that would probably sum up more my philosophy of, of what we teach at my school is a little more blended where we're gonna we're gonna borrow from any any art form that that seems to make sense um, as long as it's uh, kind of easy to uh, remember easy to execute for people of all uh, athletic abilities uh, so to speak um, and effective so that's kind of what I'm trying to trying to work on continuing to improve and continue to take the uh, lineage forward so and you've said uh you've referred to it as a stand-up style what do you mean by that particularly well it, the striking is done more like a um uh if you think of like combat combat karate mm-hmm. like that uh, that arena where you're you're not really going to the ground or the goal isn't to put the put the opponent on the ground the goal is more to defend yourself with um kicks punches um while you're on your feet yeah so it's predominantly striking from a standing position or an upright position sure the point is to strike you have you hit the ground so i can get the hell out of here yeah basically i mean i always i always talk about distancing right so there's there's kind of like a red red yellow green um and the red zone is when you're in close and Mm -hmm. people can strike you punch kick whatever uh, that's the danger zone. So as a stand-up style, we tend to we tend to keep a, a further distance, so we're outside a kick range, which is the the one you're worried about is their legs, uh, which have the furthest reach and most power. Um, so as you're learning, we always try to keep a, a, a larger distance from your opponent. A safe distance is what we call it, and mm-hmm. easiest way to kind of convey that to somebody's if you're in your fighting stance whether it's left side right side forward doesn't really matter but if you extend your your front hand and put it out and your opponent puts their front hand out if they're 
almost touching but not quite touching, you're at a safe distance. So that way, you know, they can't kick you or punch you with their front leg, back leg, different story. But um, but in general, you're at a relatively safe distance. So, yeah, they're going to have to get a little wild, a little creative to land something yeah, you're gonna right, have to do right s- there. You're going to have to do some movement. You have to close the gap. And sure. that's part of what we study then is learning how to collapse the distance or close the gap. So you, it's kind of like a, a dance where you're further apart and then you're going to close the distance to strike and then you're going to increase the distance distance to get back into a, a safe zone yeah so think uh like in the ufc fighters it'd be more like um loyal and Machida, right mm-hmm. um george st pierre was kind of more of a karate stylist or yeah. kept that further large range distance Stephen wonderboy thompson etc yeah, thank you i was just about to say there's somebody currently i can't think of the name but yeah even though I just literally watched him fight. A few he just fought. Ago, it was I a good fight. Yeah. Late for my taste. I like the I like the UFCs that are on the other side of the planet because then it's like 8 a.m. here when the card starts. <laughs> Take a day off, watch some fights. It's easier than staying up late. For right, either than staying up waiting for the main event at yeah. 11 p.m. or right, whatever it exactly. is. Um, differentiate for me the difference, uh, what I would see different about some of the other styles of under the karate umbrella. Um, under the karate or generically, we'll just call it kind of like stand up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you can get into different, uh, more traditional hard styles of, of karate. Um, if you assume watch. I don't know what that or any of this sure. means. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so that, guy. that could be, if you get into more of your traditional karate, they were, they would be a lot of, um, a little bit more in close, but a lot of the strikes are, are intended to be even a little bit lower. Um, so I, at one time I read, whether it's, it's true or not, that you know karate, which was more from uh, Japan, Taekwondo, which more from uh, Korea. Um, but karate used to be primarily striking lower. So you'd strike into the midsection. You might strike the legs. You did some foot sweeps. You would, you would actually take your opponent down to the ground in, in some traditional karate. But um, Taekwondo was higher kicks. So then over time, you saw this adaptation of kicking styles kind of kind of starting to blend together where now you see some karate stylists that are still kicking higher than maybe what was traditionally taught. Um, you get into your, your Muay Thai style where you're going to be hitting more, striking more with uh, some of the, the strong bones in the body, the elbows, knees, etc. Um, so just a different difference in style, but they... To me, they all kind of blend together, or there's a lot of similarities. Um, striking, striking is striking. Striking, striking, striking. If you're going to punch, you're still going to punch, right? You want a tight fist, you know, straight wrist, um, stuff like that, right? Right. I suppose um, yeah, the, the anatomical fundamentals are the same. Yeah, I mean, same it, objects. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to strike with your foot, you're either going to you're going to kick with your uh, heel if you're if you're doing more of like what we call a sidekick. Uh, you could hit with the ball of your foot. Um, like you're doing a front kick, whether it's a snap kick or a push kick, and that would be similar to like mm-hmm. Muay Thai. You would actually extend the ball of the foot, and you'd be striking. I think they call it teep. I'm not teep really kick, like, yeah. Teep yeah. kick. It was uh, invented by Steven Seagal. Do you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> That's a, a joke and a meme in the lore of things. He made some claim about it a few I years back. I have no idea. Completely silly. But, I mean, striking, striking. Um, if, you're, mm-hmm. you're, if you're hitting more with like a roundhouse or a round kick, um, 
I like to hit or I like to teach where we're striking more where the, the ankle and the shin meet rather than hitting with the top of the foot. Top of the foot can work for like a mobile target, sure. uh, like your head. Your head moves a little bit as it yeah. strikes. But if you're hitting something more solid, I don't like to hit with the top of my foot because out on the street you don't have your nice padded feet and right. things like that. And, you know, things happen to the top of your foot where you hit elbows with the top of your foot top of your foot usually loses so. well yeah i was just thinking in my <laughs> foot versus your rib cage or yeah like a well-framed elbow yeah well it does not well, seem good no it's not <laughs> uh even even if you have padding on um and when we when we when we spar or practice um sparring techniques or fighting whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh we use elbow pads for protection and um foot pads etc but even if you're sparring and uh you end up somebody blocks with their elbow you you feel that even through even through the pads so i had a a a flaily shall we call it a flaily white belt moment yesterday at (laughs) jiu-jitsu are you Uh, talking about me now no No, literally about me i mean i've seen you in action (laughs) uh but we're working uh close guard stuff and working to get up to different arm bar positions and I raised my leg up and over, trying to clear the head on the on my buddy Ray, who I'm mm-hmm. doing the drill with. And uh, it, <laughs> he he happened to be extending up and moving his head to the side, and the inside of my ankle met his temple slash oh. the edge of his eyebrow. That would do it. I'm trying to describe this without saying I kicked him in the head like you know a child. Uh, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> And like he 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 swears that he went out for a half a second, and like my my ankle is actually bruised from bumping someone in the head. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so the idea the of side of the ankle, yeah, little knob, you yeah, know, that spot that just hurts like a son of a gun, no matter what you bump it on. Correct. Uh, so yeah, the idea of pads on the elbows for checking kicks or you know makes a whole lot of sense because it, it's amazing, just an accidental grazing flaily leg shot to the head kind of put him out for half a second as he crumbled to the floor and like yeah. my ankle hurts we weren't even striking we we're just moving no, around you're, just moving, well, you're, you're moving to get in position which is kind of a similar motion of a of a, of a, a kick that would be coming from the outside in my leg swung around and hit him sure whether whether we want to call that striking or not but just like an incidental impact was like gross. It is gross. I'm I'm pushing on it now with my toe and it hurts. Yeah. Well, that's that's. So yeah, the pads. Wear pads. <laughs> wear pads. But that's where, um, like I said, in in teaching the strikes, you have to learn kind of what parts of the body you want to want to strike with. So definitely not the inside of the ankle. Not the inside of the ankle. Well, there there are things like <laughs> wheel kicks and crescent kicks, um, which would put you at risk of striking with that inside of the yeah. ankle. But that's where. Usually you're turning your foot kind of in or out to still kind of strike more with the bottom of the foot, whether it's the inside of the arch or the outside. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are those are kicks that definitely can can end up with incidental contact in in locations you don't want. <laughs> so well, uh, low percent, maybe not low percentage, but high risk, potentially high. low reward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Something like that. Yeah. Um, you're pretty good with those high kicks yourself, you personally? Um, factoring in age and interest. Factoring in age, yeah. I'm still, I can still get my foot up there. Um, I can still kick at least 
head high my my height, which is six feet. So. Sure, so just pick your battles a little bit, and you'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, I always, I mean, kicking high is fun, but the mm-hmm. pro- problem with kicking high is usually the higher the kick goes, the less power it has. I mean, you can still have power, like uh, if you're going to do a back leg round kick that that can pull a lot of power, kind of that swinging motion, but more momentum, more momentum, more momentum, um, and you see that a lot with like in the UFC again, where you can see. Um, People do that back leg round kick, hits the side of the neck in particular, or the side mm-hmm. of the head, boom, down they go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that you can't have power, but in general, your power goes down the higher you kick, or it can. Uh, you well, you're farther from the ground. Farther from the ground. Right. Your power, legs up power higher, drives from the ground in. up. Correct. Yeah. So. so if you want to drive, in my opinion, you want to drive a kick you know, through the midsection would be more powerful and just as effective as, as driving up higher. And the higher you go, if somebody does catch your leg, obviously you're at risk of being dumped on the ground. So, yeah. Right. Um, so like I said, I always tell my students, you don't, I mean, we, we work and we strive to get their kicks up, uh, to head level, um, for all students. But, um, we, we always tell them that, you know, don't forget, uh, effective strike for self-defense could be, you know, just hitting somebody solidly in their thigh or inside thigh, outside thigh. Um, timing a kick well when they're stepping, you can hit the calf, almost like a foot sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would assume like setting aside like judo foot sweeps. I would assume if you have practiced like a low leg kick and you're like stepping backward and someone's being confrontational and you land it. They're hitting the ground. Pretty, your your well, average yeah. person, I average, mean, they don't, average know, they don't know anything about stance and distance and, and all and this stuff. Balance and and the people who do wouldn't be getting confrontational with you by and large. Correct. People who know how to fight know better than to get into a fight, right? That, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, whoosh, and they're on the ground, and you've got you've got the ability to get out of there. Yeah, get point. out of dodge. So. What would you? Brass tacks, what would you prefer? Something like that or like the front kick, the teep kick? I I personally like the teep kick or the front kick. It's easy. Um, it's powerful. Straight ahead. Straight ahead. Yeah. You know, linear. It's kind of like a jab. Yeah. Um, it comes from the ground up. So Put a lot um, of your weight behind it, it seems like. I haven't done a lot of it, but yeah, it it's, seems it's, like it's you're, easy you're based to, on one foot. and back, back to what I said earlier, it's easy to execute. Yeah. And, it, and it's powerful. Um you know, well-timed who, uh, well, that was, uh, in another basic front kick, uh, Loyal Machida did that to, I think Randy Couture mm-hmm. knocked his tooth mm-hmm. out. Um, but <laughs> it was just well-timed I mean, that was up higher, went under the chin, but, um, but yeah, just that's if that's it was like lower basic, than that and knocked a tooth out. Then I'd be really impressed. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Coming in for a double leg, <laughs> but, um, but the, um, that's one of the the basic kind of like beginning self defenses I, I like to try to get the students to understand is if you're trying to keep safe distance yeah. and yeah. somebody's not wanting to respect that and they keep approaching or keep collapsing that distance even though you're trying to reposition and tell them you know stay away or whatever um, a simple you know push kick push them back push yourself back depending on if they're bigger you're bigger doesn't matter as long as you can recreate that space yeah yeah it's 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 what happens in these dumb street fights that you see videos of anyway except guys do it with their hands and they try to push people in the chest 
Correct. And then you're all top heavy and you both trip and it's a big mess versus yep. having a good bass and just into the midsection. Yeah, that's it's a simple simple kick. Almost anyone can execute it with a little bit of practice. Um, and then, yeah, it works. So. I've practiced it only a little bit. My, my wife has uh, a background in boxing and kickboxing. Oh, nice. Some number of years ago or whatever. And it was like the, the, she's showing me some basic stuff. And this is after I'd started doing some jujitsu and, uh, after I started doing these conversations. So there was a specific thing that, um, Caitlin from the striking Institute said, which is maybe the most quoted line for me anyway, from these conversations is she talked about accidental knockout power Hmm. and how, especially like heavyweight men, like big fighters, you know, you're just, you're at 40%, just a little taparoos, but because there's just so much weight and leverage and, and power behind stuff, even mm-hmm. when you're down in second gear, there's can be situations where accidentally something goes a little far, you know? Correct. Uh, and uh, in no other situation was that made apparent to me than like my first couple attempts of putting a front kick to a pad held by my my wife because I'm like 300 pounds, you know what I mean? And she's 100 and whatever. Uh, but we, we stopped that, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there's yeah. room for improvement there, but there's a different way for me to, to practice uh, strikes, I think, than with my wife in the living room, you know? Yeah, but that that's a good point. Yeah, that's a... Uh... She went down hard one time, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm heavy. We should stop this. <laughs> we should stop. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn from a pro, I think. Yeah. No, it's, but, yeah, it's a, it's a simple kick. It's lots of power. Um, I like that. Uh, what'd you call it? Accidental knockout? Accidental knockout power. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. she was trying to convince me to jump in with, like, the... There's like an open sparring group, Muay Thai. They kind of did a, it's basically an MMA kind of mm-hmm. group. They would take it to the ground a little bit. And she's like, yeah, it's all the big guys. And I was like, you mean the guys you said had accidental knockout power and I don't even know how to make a fist? Like I'm not, <laughs> you know, and it all makes it sound very dark and dangerous. It's not it at all, but it would, yeah. just the hilarity of like, yeah, you should come check it out. No, no, I'm not going to, I got to go to work in the morning. I'm not going to check that out. Yeah. I did go and take photos and. Some of the the better known uh, fighters in the area were there. It was it was good fun to watch. Would have been great training, but I'm okay. okay. It's good. <laughs> um, you you mentioned the um, one of the risks of throwing up high kicks is getting harangued to the ground. Is that part of what sparks your interest in in judo? You do some some judo privates, correct? Yeah, I've been working with. Uh Sensei Danny uh, Hutchinson, Munoz Hutchinson. So. D.M. Hutchinson, I think. Yep. D.M. Hutchinson, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, great guy. Um, but yeah, no, my, my interest uh, is in learning more uh, styles or techniques of martial arts so that I can bring that back into my school and, and help my students grow as well. Like I said, I teach a blended style. It, it doesn't matter to me what style it comes from i'm not a purist um this is the future of martial arts at this point right yeah and and i still want to be predominantly a stand-up art form but you know reality is um if you can get people to the ground you're in a in a better position to get away um so some of what i'm studying in judo is to learn some basic uh 
takedowns, um, some throws, some uh, foot sweeps, some some reaps is what they call them, or so you're sweeping the sweeping the foot or uprooting the foot, mm-hmm. um, and then passing that knowledge down to my students, uh, particularly my black belts, so that they can they can have a little bit more um, in their in their tackle or their, their toolbox, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and the same for my interest in studying jujitsu is, well, if you do end up on the ground, how do you defend yourself? Because I can tell you from experience, it is a whole different world on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots, Just, lots to learn there. You, you, Cause I think all of us walking into it, knowing nothing, you think, okay, you need to hit this guy and get away. So if I hit this guy and he hits the ground, that's even better. Well, mm-hmm. if I go down to the ground with him, it turns into a, a stumble. I guess I just get up and leave. But then somebody's hanging on to you and you go, oh, yeah, maybe I can't just get up and leave. Then what? They're, they're, at every layer, there's so many things to, to potentially learn. right? Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's why, uh, like I said, that's why I'm studying some different art forms, trying to expand my knowledge and pass it pass it down to my students so So what elements have are 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 there elements of the grappling stuff you've done that have made it into the curriculum at your place a little bit yeah we're um so i've been working working with some of my students on some of the basics um so we've we've worked on a, a single leg takedown um ankle pick and you know just a couple basic ways of grabbing somebody's leg and if you end up in that position, how do you end up finishing them and putting them on the ground? Um, we're working on uh, Ogoshi or the major hip throw from judo, um, as well as the, the shoulder throw. It's They're very similar from what I understand so far. They set up similar. They uh, uh, The shoulder throw does, has a higher launch point, uh, but it's a similar mechanics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, in fact, Sensei DM Hutchinson is coming in for a special seminar coming up uh, this weekend, actually. What's the date of that? Uh, Saturday, the 14th. Just depending on when my ass gets this posted, uh, clarify the date of when that's going on. Um, good on you for knowing one of the Japanese names of one of the throws. I wasn't going to put you on the spot and say, well, which throws do you know? Yep. So I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. Working yeah. on it. Describe the difference between those two for me, the shoulder throw and Ogoshi. Well, Ogoshi is you're you're using your hip kind of like a fulcrum. So judo judo is is all about biomechanics, and and as you mentioned before, uh, it starts from the ground up. So you're 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 creating a reaction force uh, from the ground, and then you're using your body in a in an advantaged position to put your opponent on the ground. In in Ogoshi, uh, the hip throw, you're really working on off balancing your opponent first. So the purpose of off balancing is that you can you can basically lighten their load. So if you take somebody your size or my size, you want to get them in an off balanced position. What I mean by that is you picture like their head is in front of their hips, so almost like they're doing a plank up against your shoulders. Um, and then when you off balance them, now you're in a position to more easily create the, or execute the throw. So, uh, with, with Ogoshi, the hip throw, you're going to set it up where you're going to, you're going to kind of off balance them. If, if I'm throwing with my right hip, I'm going to off balance my opponent, um, 
the uke in their right quadrant or on their right foot. So if, if they're in proper position before I execute the throw, they'll be almost kind of falling over to begin with. All I do is help them continue that falling motion. Um, the shoulder throw uh, sets up very similar, but you're, you're just clamping down uh, with your, say, my right arm. Same thing if I'm throwing from my right side. But my right arm would be going up underneath their armpit, and it's almost like I'm flexing my, my muscle or clamping their shoulder into my, my elbow area. And then it's the same mechanics where you're going to uh, you know, set your feet inside them, get them in their, on their right foot as you're kind of pulling across with your left hand. But um, it's, it's, to me, it's very interesting. I, I, I find like learning different things uh, exciting. That's kind of what motivates me. I'm a theoretical person that likes to always learn new things. So mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Same, and it seems like you, you're, you're you and I chatted about coaching styles and why the, each of us have uh, decided to do this stuff, uh, and we seem to share that just sort of an intellectual curiosity for it. But it's cool because you're then actually applying it to you know your school. You're infiltrating some of the ideas into your program there, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and like the, I say, that's kind of the future of martial arts, right? Like, yeah, that's the whole. And, and like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not claiming that they'll ever be uh, judo experts or, mm-hmm. or takedown experts or um, yeah, jujitsu experts by any stretch. You know, if yeah. they want to learn and more about jujitsu, go, go study jujitsu from a black belt. You know, um, right. if you want to learn more about judo, same thing. Go, go study it from a school that that teaches it exclusively. I'm just kind of giving them a little, little overview. Uh, just to give them an understanding that there's more than just doing a side kick or a round kick or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's there's more to learn. Because really, if you're going to say side kick and round kick relative to diffusing a confrontational situation, well, we got to spackle in some other details because there's a lot of layers to what could happen. Yeah, exactly. So you might as well be more inclusive to some of that information. Yeah. How many black belts do you have in your school? Um, right now I'm thinking right around 25 black belts. They're kind of, most of them are homegrown. There's a couple of, uh, old school black belts like myself that have been around for uh, quite a few years through uh, USA karate. Um, but yeah, it's, it's growing. We're, we're starting to become a black belt school. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I want to see is that we grow, our black belts and really have the students understand that that black belt doesn't mean the end of the journey it really kind of means the beginning um and once you get there i always tell the students that's where you can have more fun because you get to start executing things uh with 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 more purpose power you start to understand more of how things tie together you can be a little more creative with your own techniques um starting to create more of your own kind of flow or combinations. Um, take what works for you and what doesn't and, you know, go from there. Depending on the mood of the BJJ black belt, that's the same same answer you hear about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like once I got to such and such level, then I realized I could really start, unless their mood is more, mm-hmm. 
it's worse than ever, you know. <laughs> I kind of get the joking, like, oh, now I now I really got to learn. But then, you know, a lot of them more candidly will be like, you know, this is really when it got fun because you're at such a high level and you're like everything you just said. I get to kind of disregard stuff and take in new stuff and do my own thing a lot more often. Yeah, you got to you got to kind of personalize it to you. Mm-hmm. You know what what technique works well for me might not be a technique that works well for you. Um, you need to know it, you know, so it's in your arsenal, but, um, you have to, you have to work with your strengths. So what, what, if I, how about this? I walk in today at your gym and I'm going to join cause I want to be a black belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do we go from there? What, what's the process? Uh, process is pretty similar to any uh, martial arts school, right? You're going you're gonna to start with uh, kind of an introductory class, see if you like it first and foremost. And then, um, then you're going to end up um, starting in the beginner program. Uh, we call it fundamentals. And the purpose of fundamentals is to just kind of grow a base of knowledge, um, work on some foundational techniques for stances, for um, blocks, for uh, strikes or kicks or punches, um, and try to get those to a level that they're fairly proficient, or at least you understand what you're striving to do. Then from there, then you can advance it into uh, what we call level one, and then from level one to level two, level two to level three. And it's kind of like going through high school is what I tell people. So you go from level one being a freshman year, level two, sophomore year, level three, junior, and then you graduate as a senior eventually. Um, in, in my style, that's about what it takes. I always tell people it's going to take four or five years to first degree. There's not a guarantee, um, but that's the general target. If you're putting in the effort, attending two, three classes a week, um, you know, putting some extra training in on your, on your own, um, you know, but to me, I want to make sure that the power is there. The technique is there. Um, the striking is there. Give me a rough picture of what each of those levels looks like. Um, like fundamentals is fundamentals. Like you put your feet right. Yeah. You fundamentals know. is, is really learning things like if you're going to do that front kick we talked about. Mm-hmm. Okay. First you're going to chamber, which means you're going to bring your knee up. So you're not going to swing your foot from the ground. Um, so you're going to, you're going to bend your knee and then you're going to execute the strike by the kick going out back and then put your foot down. Um, and that's a basic mechanics, uh, for our style, whether you're doing a front kick, whether you're doing a side kick, whether you're doing a round kick. Um, so it's the same kind of programming where you're going to do a round kick. First thing you're going to do is turn your toes away. You can take your, um, your heel to your seat. You're going to point your knee. At your target, you're going to snap the kick out back, put it back down. That's the basic f- kind of one, two, three, four of a round kick. So I'm so, almost drawing a right angle with my heel. Correct. Up, out. Yeah, it's kind of like a front kick done on its side. Yeah. So if I did a front kick, I'm bending my bending my knee, snapping it out and back. Is that an okay way of thinking of it? Yeah. For any given strike, I suppose, it's like I load to the good, strongest mechanical position, and then extend from there, and then back. pull back and yeah. straight down. Okay. And, and on a side kick, that would probably be the, the one that's 
a little more technical, mm-hmm. um, but you have to bring your your knee back, heel up. So it's kind of like you're kind of like you're taking your kicking leg and, and setting it up on a table. So if you can, if you had a table in the room and you had to put your leg up on it, you'd have your knee and your heel up on the table. That's yeah. your start position, and the further your knee goes back, the more power you can generate. Sure. And then you, that's the traditional, you know, pure kind of power kick. If you're breaking boards, that's what you want to do. Um, but when you get into sparring, then you then you, you kind of start blending things because you can't do those full chambers. They're they're too easy to tell what you're doing. But sure, sure, sure. So, yeah. but you know, back to fundamentals. That's fundamentals. So think of you know, if I were to kind of make it a uh, short summary, it'd be learn the you learn how to chamber and kick with a round kick, a, a front kick, a side kick, a wheel kick, a crescent kick. Uh, learn how to be in a fighting stance or karate stance. Um, learn how to switch your feet, switch sides. Learn how to to kind of punch and kick and do things with your right leg forward, left leg forward. So a lot of our style, you're working on uh, being effective with either side, not one side. Right off the bat, right in fundamentals, right, you're yeah. already having them switch. That's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, so you're always working with, with either side. Combinations that you do. So we'll work on some basic combinations and fundamentals where you might just do a jab cross and then a front leg kick or a jab cross background kick or something like that. So basic kind of simple three, four move type flows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously striking targets and stuff like that. And then when you move up into level one, mm-hmm. then we're going to we're gonna kind of expand on the the kicks and the the way we execute the kicks or set them up um, and start getting into now some reverses or some spins or more of the, the fancier athletic kicks uh, where you can use the spins to generate more power, like a reverse side kick. You see that sometimes um, in the UFC as well where people are turning and, and kicking yeah. that where you can spin and drive and get a little more power that way. Um, plus it's a misdirection. Um, but, um, and then in addition, we'll, we'll start some traditional forms training. So we do still, uh, train students in, in kata or form. Um, I'm a big believer in it. I think it, it's good for the, uh, not just the memory and the focus that it, it helps students learn how to compartmentalize and, and memorize things. Um, but it also is, is really good for helping establish, um, muscle memory in your stances, in your folds, in your strikes, in your chambers. So the forms themselves might not be, you know, effective from a defend yourself standpoint, sure, but I sure, think sure. there's, it, it kind of layers in there with what you're learning and executing the forms. Well, kind of carries over into your striking. Yeah. yeah. Um, the more, the more times I run through a barren bolo, just drilling correct, at my own pace correct. on the mat, the closer I am to hitting it come live rolls. Exactly. Because then I can take the feedback from those live rolls and say, well, this is something different I saw. Yeah. And, and I then, can incorporate that into my katas, do my katas, my barambolo katas. I exactly. I just invented yeah, yeah. the terminology. Uh, for that, the, the, the idea of the kata resonates really strongly for me because I know my learning style well enough at this point to know, like, I'm going to need a thousand reps of this. Correct. Like talking through it, doing it very slowly. It's just the limitation of my brain. I can't just like take it and try it in a roll. Never going to work. 
No. I need the katas. Oh, and you know that's I mean? and that's kind of that's what I like about the jujitsu class when we we take it. I always like the beginning part where you're you're breaking it down, mm-hmm. going through step one, step two, step three. Do this, do that. Now, you know, like I said, I go through my live rolls and never works quite that way. But <laughs> but neither um, did those like, kicks early on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you know make it your own. But um, mm-hmm. but you need that you need that that build up, and that's that's kind of what we do, and that's where back to the levels. Yes. As you progress through the levels, that's all we're doing is continuing to advance to kind of build upon what you learned in the previous level. Sure. So when you go to level two, now you're building on what you learned in level one, whether that's the kicks, um, whether that's the combinations, um, sparring techniques. So everything kind of starts off in, in chunks. You know, in sparring, for example, I, I like to teach my students, number one, keep safe distance. You know what that is. So if my belief is if you show me a good fighter, you'll see good footwork. Whether that's boxing, whether that's kickboxing, whether that's UFCs, anyone that has good footwork is usually, uh, or a good fighter has good footwork, I'll say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Not to say that you have good footwork, you'll be a good fighter, but um, you at least have... You might just you, be a great soccer player. Exactly, yeah. but um, but I mean, the people that are, are good at fighting, generally speaking, I believe, have a really good footwork, good control of their body. Um, they're always in proper position to land, uh, you know, power strikes. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I start in level one in, as far as like using in more of a, a live kind of role scenario, uh, sparring would be the equivalent. I want them to get comfortable learning how to keep that distance. So somebody moves at you, you move back, they move right, you move left. You just, you're just kind of in this dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's with, the sweet science of boxing of these to hear yeah, Western exactly. boxing called the sweet science and people probably the layman would think it's the pushing the hands forward and backward, but no, it's the, the dance. It's the dance. It's yeah. the footwork. Um, and then that's, that's where that, 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 that sets that base knowledge. Okay. And then once you have that down, now you can work on figuring out how to, how to close that distance, how to do fakes or feigns and, uh, go on attack. Um, lead with your weapons, um, with your hands, your feet, not with your face. <laughs> um, but point is, is it all builds. And then once you have that base knowledge, you go to the next level and then you can work on advancing it and you go to the next level. So kind of very, very structured. It comes from my engineering background, I'm, I'm assuming, because mm-hmm. everything has a proper place and proper procedure. So Linear when it can be and we figure it out from there. Right? Yeah. What What's the... Um I mean, your, your curriculum one week to the next, is it, is it comparable to jujitsu where like, all right, we're working closed guard this week. So we're going to start, you know, by passing, which gives your partner the opportunity to, to practice mm-hmm. retaining or, and whatnot. I mean, is it sort of like that where we kind of go two weeks, this technique, two weeks, that technique, and you sort of tie them together or is there more of a standard set of things each week yeah so in, in my school we we teach uh curriculum in two-month blocks um and then each two for those two months we have specific things we want to accomplish so think of doing fewer techniques more times back to doing something a thousand times mm-hmm. to get it figured out so rather than you know work on well let's do round kicks today and then let's do side kicks tomorrow and i'll do jump kicks well that's fine but you're not really getting enough reps in for the average student to, to pick it up. You know, maybe your star students do, but 
Um, so rather than that, what we do is focus on, okay, this, this cycle, for example, my level one students are going to be working on specifically, uh, defensive sidekicks, offensive sidekicks. Those are their two primary kicks that they're working on for the next two months. And then what we'll do is in those two months, week one will be a, a, a lesson or a week just of the proper way of, of setting up the kicks. How do you chamber? How do you strike? Do it slowly and then build speed until you can do it faster with good technique. Um, and then we'll do a second week where we, we kind of build in um, some some of the form, the kata, which happens to have some of those kicks in it as well. Um, and then week three will be a little bit of a combination. Where we'll do some kicks in combinations with a little bit of kata. Uh, week four would be a self-defense week where we're working on now if you can't keep a safe distance somebody gets their hands on you some way what what can you do uh, so level one for example is working on a, some bear hug options where they're bear hug from behind over the arms under the arms and ways to defend against those um, week five is sparring week where we'll, we'll try to fit those sidekicks into their sparring technique as well as keeping the safe distance and footwork um and then week six kind of reviews all the curriculum uh week seven we start pre-testing um students to see who has it who doesn't and then week eight is your 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 evaluations to whether you're going to earn your stripe rank advancement or whether you're going to earn your next belt so kind of similar to jiu-jitsu where you earn your stripes before mm -hmm. you earn your belt yeah uh, it's kind of similar where they're going to earn their uh, red, white, and blue stripes, USA Karate. Um, they earn their red stripe, their white stripe, their blue stripe. Then they're cleared to go to graduation. I actually kind of like that. So, I like the USA Karate. Like, oh, yeah, red, white, and blue. Very yeah. cool. So, so it's, it's kind of a pendulum swing every eight weeks, and there's an expectation so long as I've achieved and done well that that is going to be also a testing period, essentially, Correct. too. Mm -hmm. do, did you say you do formal testing at the end of it, or is it sort at the, of like at the last, a, last, Usually the last two weeks, uh, this cycle, because of how the cal calendar works, <laughs> we'll have to fit it all in one week, which is going to be a challenge. Um, but for yes, them, every, not for you. Well, for, <laughs> for them and for me. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, to fit all students, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we do, a, we do an individual evaluation. And, oh, okay. And kind of run them through, we'll run them through their kicks, we'll run them through their combinations. We'll see if they've memorized their their form or their kata. Um, and it, in my opinion, it, it works great because um, the students know what they're what they're expected to do. Uh, they're given uh, exactly you know what they're going to be tested on. Yeah. And then it's nice when we have two weeks because usually the first week we can kind of do a pre-evaluation and tell the students that need a little bit more work to say, you're going to need to focus on working on this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. your, your kicks have to be a little, a little better chamber, a little higher, whatever it is. Then um, they have time to practice it or they can schedule an individual lesson with the instructors if they need to. It's like having a quiz before the exam. Yeah. Right. But like it, a quiz in, gives me a hint. Wait a minute, I've got some gaps here. I better figure it out before the exam comes. Yeah, and what what's nice is they um, the students rise to the account, uh, rise to the challenge, or rise to the occasion. So you know, it takes usually one 
one or two cycles for them to kind of figure it out. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they say, hey, well, hey, wait a minute, how, how come I, I, I didn't earn my stripe or how come I didn't earn my belt? It's like, right. well, because we, we didn't execute the way we needed to, like we talked about. Yeah. And then it, it just, it, 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 I think it leads to uh, a higher level of, of execution, which is kind of what we're looking at. We, my, my staff and I, we always talk about wanting to ensure that we're always raising the standard and never lowering the standard. And that's kind of our goal is I always want, in my mind, I want my future level one students to be better than my current level one students, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah, I follow you. Yeah. You know, so that way. Because your program time, is sharper. Yeah. Over time, yeah. everything gets sharper, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of the expectations for students is driven by what their peers are doing, not as much as what the instructor's saying, right? Yeah, culture pervades, right? Yeah. yeah, so if they're in class and they're new to level one and they see all these level one students, you know, executing nice clean t- kicks and techniques and um, their balance is better and their power is better, well, it, that makes all students want to rise to the occasion or uh, what's the... Uh, rising tide floats all boats or whatever one of, my, one of them something like that yeah. yeah one of my old bosses used to say that so one rise all rise something Some, like that. something like yeah. that yeah. yeah there's a few good phrases are you wearing karate socks i am wearing karate little socks. dudes doing karate on it yeah. that's funny that's i like that um what's your favorite martial arts movie Ooh, that's a good one we were getting um, really serious there. I, I got to detract I, I, from. The I don't know if it's a movie, but I really enjoyed the um, the series Into the Badlands. Into the Badlands. Yeah, with uh, was it Daniel Wu was in it? Was on AMC. Um, like a recent one. It was a few years ago. They it was on for like two, three seasons, sure. but it, it was like it was great. Like I thought martial arts kind of theme. Hmm. Um. But I really I like that series because it had some uh, great like martial arts uh, fight scenes and sure. a good execution of of, of martial arts um, movies. Um, I'd have to go back. Uh, I one of my favorite movies that probably sparked my interest in in mm-hmm. martial arts or at mm-hmm. that time was Bloodsport. I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, that was a that was a good. Uh, a good movie. Um, I liked all the, I don't know how to say it, is it IP Man or Ip Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. Bruce Lee's uh, teacher. That was, those are good. So, that's variety. You know what Pat Worley's answer was? No. He said Karate Kid. Karate Kid, uh, sure. And I was like, uh, did you hear that squeal, by the way? That's my fridge. I think I got a fridge breaking down <laughs> on me over there. It's going to happen again. I hadn't considered that when we were sitting down to record. She turned the fridge right. off. Uh, I said, why was... Uh, Karate Kid, your favorite. He said it was good for business. That's true. It's <laughs> true. Said, hey, fair enough, man. Well, in in modern days, I mean, um, you know, the the Cobra Kai series is is I think good for business. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Kind of revitalizing some interest in it. Yeah, all you're whatever. seeing you're seeing more interest. Um, I mean, I had I have had some students come in and their parents go, oh. Yeah, well, they really love Cobra Kai, so they wanted to learn how to do karate. And I was like, okay, sure, welcome, sure, welcome. Let's do <laughs> it. Share that show on your Facebook, and uh, let's get more people in here. Yeah. Uh, Pat's other answer was a oh shoot, I forget the name. It was a Chuck Norris movie I had never heard of. No, Delta Force. No, or, I, I oh. mean it wasn't any of the big ones. Uh, anyway, uh, 
at least they're like the stuff you listed. They're actually fighting and doing some of that. Did you see that movie Jujitsu? No. Was it called Jujitsu? I think it was or called Jujitsu. Say that again. Red Belt. No. Red Belt. There was another one. Uh, I can't oh, remember Lord. who was in that one. But there was a is a Nicolas Cage movie from like two years ago, which is a bad start right off the bat. I right? didn't see that one. And it, I think it was called Jujitsu, and like Hegan, I think was in it as like sort of an extra he was part of like the main group but he was just a dude that never said anything was just walking along on the adventure and it just had nothing to do with jujitsu. like there was, <laughs> there was barely fight scenes you know there was like one poorly edited and half-assed choreographed little scene that had arguably some jujitsu in it yeah it was just such a bad and that that's why i like pat's answer karate kid yeah it was good for business because like Jiu-jitsu ain't good for business, man. That's yeah, well, not pulling anybody into well, jujitsu. Well, back, back then, yeah, ju- you know, once Karate Kid came out, there were, everyone wanted to do karate. It's kind of like when Top Gun came out back in the 80s. Everyone wanted to go be a fighter pilot for, for the Navy. Oh, know? yeah. It didn't make them want to play volleyball? No. <laughs> that's, that's the only part of that movie I remember. Take that however you want to take it. But. So, beach volleyball, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the opening scene where they're all like they're, yeah, they're playing beach, beach volleyball? Beach yeah. volleyball. Yeah. Seems like a good time, you know? You and the boys. Yep. <laughs> what do you like about jujitsu personally, setting aside your, your, uh, your personally, years? Personally, I, I, yeah. first and foremost, is the challenge. You know, like I said, the yeah. mental the mental challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely humbling uh, for me to to go because I know every time I go, I'm just going to get smashed, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really like is trying to figure out all the, it, it's very um, biomechanics focused. And I was an engineer, studied, did a lot of biomechanics things in my career. But so the fact that you can, you can just kind of shift this way a little bit and then pull your arm that way a little bit and then tighten the sleeve and then you're choked out, you know. Um, so it's, it's very detailed, it's very specific, but at the same point, everything flows together. Right. You know, you, you can go from, um, go from a, uh, failed triangle into an arm bar, or you can go from an arm bar into a cross collar choke, or you can, you know, everything can kind of just go one, one way or the other. So just when you think you have it kind of figured out, like, oh. This guy's gonna try to armbar me, so I'm gonna do this, and then you end up they they take you back or something. You're like, oh, didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's guys that'll decide to stop choking you before you tap and end up on like an ankle lock, and you're just like, how'd you get down there, dude? <laughs> yeah. We were up here. A second. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy the, uh, the the ankles and the knees as much, but, uh, <laughs> but I think the, it's a universal hesitation. Yeah, we all like, gotta walk around. And, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I, those aren't my favorite days, but. Um, but the, the nice thing is everyone that, you know, yeah. in general that I've worked with, especially at M theory is, is extremely, uh, helpful and kind, you know, kind in a, um, in a jujitsu kind of way, you know, it's like, <laughs> they're, 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 they're not trying to hurt you. I'll just say that they're trying to hurt you, but they're not trying to hurt you. Yeah. They're trying to hurt you, but not hurt you. Yeah. They're just trying to kind of hurt you. No, I, they're, I like they're that. Not. It might be a meme. He's kind. In a jujitsu sort of way, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and he did choke me unconscious, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, then you then you say, "Hey, good job. That was yeah. a nice choke." You know? Show me how you did. No, that. I, I I like I like that. I like the challenge. Um, Do you feel qualified to say specifically, like 
uh, is there techniques you like better than others? Or? Uh, my technique is all about survival right now as yeah. a white belt. Um, so all def- I'm trying to defending do, chokes, de- just defending, um, break some grips, escape. I just, I just, if I can, if I can roll for five minutes with, without getting submitted, I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if I can roll for five minutes with only getting one or two submissions, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I didn't tap to cardio today. I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my baseline. Uh, I'll have to say, I, I think I've improved in my ability to kind of stay relaxed more. Um, which everyone kind of told me that's what you have to do it when you first start, but you don't quite figure that out until you actually do it for a while. And you're like, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is what they were talking about. I can just hang out here and just, I can just relax now and not worry about it and yeah. not be like constantly fighting or moving or yeah, trying to move my body. Um, the other thing I'm starting to get a better appreciation for is, um, using your hips and your legs, you know, not, not just the, upper body kind of thing mm-hmm. that's not going to get you very far so i technique wise no i i don't really yeah. have any uh, but it seems to me uh and i'm only as far into it as i am but i've had a good number of conversations with people that are way into it but it seems to me that that early hopefully early lesson of like know when you're actually in danger and when you should just breathe slower and relax yes uh, that being the first one, and then the second thing being, can I escape where I'm at or make myself less vulnerable where I'm at? seems like those two things, as I do the Vulcan symbol to indicate <laughs> to, uh, seem like those two things are probably the among the biggest things you could take from jiu-jitsu. Now, I say that as a guy who's only a couple, three, whatever years into it. That, that seems but to... staying calm and then knowing my options to to avoid immediate destruction anyway yeah what better tools i'm learning the the you know the the point that you don't you don't block chokes with your chin i'm starting to figure that out a little bit you certainly can you can delay it but you you wake up with a a bruised chin the next day but um yeah so yeah that's a that's a good way of putting it yeah i mean and again i don't know the lessons in front of me but I think I was talking about it with one of the guys after we were done rolling yesterday and uh, I was recounting one of the bigger dudes who's now a brown belt, I think, uh, named Micah, Micah Ferris. He's a larger bodied tall guy and he was one of my early roles because, hey, another big dude walked in so the big guys <laughs> flocked to him, you know. Um, and I, I tapped to him being in mount but also high mount. High mount. I, both arms overhead, like uh, just that cooking position where you're just like, well, whatever he decides to do, you know. And I tapped to the pressure and the panic and the the claustrophobia, mm-hmm. you know. And there's like whether your your training partner says it to you in that moment, you process it, I think. And you're like, hmm, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> there, not that I'm never coming back here, never going to do that again, but sure. I never tap into it again. Yeah, He didn't submit me. I stopped. No, which I is so. like a big, big intellectual difference, you know, and that's the first two lessons we're talking about, which is like, okay, I'm not like in immediate danger until he makes the move to take the arm and, you know, whatever. Yeah, you just have to, you have to find your comfort zone in yep. that position. Turn my head, find some air. Yeah, just a little, little movement. Yep. Um, and that's, that's what I'm, I would 
say I'm starting to figure out, you know, the first couple classes you get in those positions. You're like, yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm done. We'll go to the next restart. You're still going, but I feel like we're done. So yeah. You're like, I feel like, is there, is uh, although there... I, I will say I'll add mm-hmm. too that mm-hmm. there's also the, um, you know, know when you need to tap. Uh, Almost definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got, you know, cause a couple times I, I thought, well, as my arms getting you know cranked behind me, I'm like, oh, I think I, I think I can still hold this, and then it's like, oh, not holding this. Yeah, you also don't need to. Yeah, and you don't need to because yeah. at that point you're just gonna it's a it's a, a slow uh, slow demise, so to speak. Well, and I think the know when you need to tap actually applies to the situation I just referenced, especially your first time out. Like, don't sit there and suffer. We're all friends here. We're practicing. Do the tap. Take that lesson and realize. Oh, I didn't need to. It felt, I mean, my system was hijacked. You're freaking out. And there's a gee across your mouth. And yeah. It's all stifling. And <laughs> yep. so do the tap, but then take the lesson from your training partner, from your instructor, from your own observation and be like, huh, that's probably not a, a time where I tap. So I'm going to develop the skills to not need to do that. Well, and that's where it's, it's been helpful, you know, where we train in that a lot of times I'll just say, Hey, well, what else could I have done in that situation? Yeah. Oh, you could have done this or that. I'm like, okay. You know, put that in the memory banks for next time and yeah. then build on it. The gigantic, messy filing cabinet in my brain. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. That's one of my favorite things is, is you know, after inevitably tapping to something, being like, you know, looking at the clock, oh, there's 30 seconds left. Can we use that last 30 to have you show me the magic that just happened? What was that? Yeah. You know, because generally especially certain specific training partners that I roll with regularly and higher belt guys, they're probably jacked about it too. I find, yeah. you know, like they did a little, like, that finally worked on this, yeah, this, they, this new blue belt, you know, <laughs> they want to tell me what it was and I want to know. Yeah. You know, exactly. so it, That's it's a, a great point. environment for that. Yeah. Yeah. Does do those first two lessons, the stay calm and the, the know how to escape or recover. Is there like a corollary in karate? Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, sparring is kind of where that, would come in <clears throat> and what we find in, in sparring is if I, if I were to put some less experienced people and, and set the timer for even, you know, in jujitsu, we roll for five minutes, but I could set it for two minutes even, or one minute. And I would say most inexperienced people by the end of the minute, they're so out of breath and they're exhausted and their hands are down and they're, you know, they're, they're in no position. Yeah. Um, that's that thing people don't understand about getting in fights. Like guys talk tough about getting in fights. Fucking exhausting. Yeah. Especially if you're not trained and going to stay calm. Yeah. And all so that. that's, that's kind of what, one of the things we talk about back to that staying calm and using your breath. Now in stand up, if you're not engaged in, you know, uh, strikes with the, with the opponent, that's your time to relax and move. And when you're moving, it's a very relaxed kind of, flowing kind of movement where you're not exhausting a lot of energy you're reserving your energy you're you're controlling your breathing you're staying relaxed you're you're not tensed up you know i always uh, kind of show the the rock'em sock'em robot kind of move where you you, you you tighten every muscle in your arm and <laughs> then you try to punch somebody and it looks very robotic and not very fast and um definitely not effective but exhausting though exhausting yeah completely exhausting (laughs) if you want to exhaust yourself do that or if you're doing your footwork it's not like you're you know jumping over boxes i mean you want to be light on your feet but at the same point it's it's a real slight kind of shuffle so to speak um but 
Yeah, that'd be the analogy is in stand-up is teaching students how to control their breathing, stay relaxed when they're sparring. And, it, and it's probably easier when, when you're in that level one that we talked about because they're not doing as much and it's kind of more of like fun and it's a game and uh, they're, they're thinking it's kind of like playing tag or something. Um, you see it a little bit more when you get into like my level three students um, where they're maybe starting to get after it a little bit more with control, with respect, um, back to what you said, it's, you know, Hey, that was a good kick, but could have kicked me harder, so to speak. Mm Um, um, but the, um, those levels is where you start to see the students like get a little more exhausted because now they're intensity's up a little bit. They're a little bit more like, well, I don't know what's going on, especially if they're not comfortable with it. And then you'll see them, you know, wear down very briefly. So sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll spar with my, with my students where all I'm doing is just trying to move and I don't do anything. I don't tell them I'm, I'm not going to strike or I'm not going to kick. I just, we spar and I, I just move and I just try to stay out of, out of, out of their way. If, if they kick, I obviously block or whatever, but I let them try to figure out if they can, if they can tell that I'm, I'm just on pure defense but usually by the end of the two minutes or whatever it is, they're exhausted and I'm not. So, yeah, but then I talk, I, I, I talk to them and say, well, no, who's breathing harder here? Yeah. You or me? Yeah. 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 So, but what did I do versus what did you do? It's actually one of the, that reminds me of one of the, yeah, I, I'm, I train jujitsu cause I enjoy it just like you, right? Like it's a curiosity thing. It's this fun puzzle forces my fat ass to get some cardio that's a good thing uh (laughs) most people should know how to fight to some degree so i like that but i'm totally in like a coaching phase of my life i haven't competed in anything in a long time and i've made the last several years of my career in like fitness and powerlifting coaching about training people for competition Mm -hmm. so even when i'm there you know training jujitsu my brain is processing it as as, from like a coaching perspective like why don't i understand what that guy's saying how can i frame that differently that kind of thing and there was like something of a coachable moment i'm not teaching anybody jujitsu i'm not qualified for that but there's a a white belt um who was was super regular for a while and it was clear that like the arc of the panic and the muscle and the force it to happen thing that arc wasn't happening mm-hmm. where suddenly you realize finally like, Oh, I keep this exact same thing keeps happening over and over and over. This is frustrating and unenjoyable. I'm going to slow myself down, maybe ask for some extra time, some extra help and start really working the techniques from class and trying to do this stuff. Like I remember the moment I had that thought, it was like, Oh yeah, I can't force any of this. These guys are just destroying me. Right. Even, yes. even the other new guys, you know, um, and the, the, the guy I'm thinking of good dude, I like him, but he, he just, he just couldn't get over that hump to where he would just relax stuff and start mm-hmm. to move and think through the techniques. It was all just like attack and lean in, attack and lean in and yeah, kind just of power getting, through. It was just getting beat up as a result, you know, mm-hmm. beaten up, getting beaten up is kind of part of it, but like you should all start to beat a little bit too, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I remember rolling with them, uh, one time, it was actually shortly before he took an injury and kind of disappeared for a while. Thankfully, came back. But I, I was like, "Man, I'm like 15 years older than you. 
right? And he's like, I think that's about right, you know, a couple years out of college or whatever. I'm like, listen, man, you just came out of collegiate athletics. You're younger than me. I'm a big fat guy compared to you. You're a young fit dude. Which one of us is panting right now? Mm-hmm. Breathing real heavy. Because he was just... Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I'm, I mean, my respiration was elevated. I'm no cardio king. But he's like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just out of shape. I said, you're not out of shape. You're in great shape, dude. You're a really athletic, really fit dude. But you're working way harder than you need to here, right here, right now. I said... Once you kind of breathe and let it flow and relax and just think about the steps that you know from class, this is going to be a lot more enjoyable for you. Correct. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to suck less and you're going to get better, which means it's going to suck less once again, you know? It just seems like a a huge pivotal moment, you know, in the the early phases of any kind of sport, frankly, but certainly combat sports. Yeah. Yeah, you need to to stay relaxed. Do you guys... um, you have p- people at all those, you got five levels, fundamentals plus the four levels. Correct. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Do you do some level of sparring in all of them? You might yes. have said that. I, I yes. Know. So every, every level, uh, not in fundamentals, we'll, we'll start with some basic, um, how would you block a front kick? How would sure. you block a round kick? Yeah. You know, how do you, it's parry? an interaction. How do you, how student. do you parry a punch? Um, things like that. Um, but, Level one, more distancing, more blocking, yeah. more evading. You're level using two, another body to illustrate level two, some offense. Yeah. In level one, level two, you, you you get into now you have your 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 foundation set with footwork and evading and keeping mm-hmm. a safe distance. Now you can figure out how to go on offense without getting uh, you know hit on the way in and the way out. Um, and level three is where you you start to kind of work more on hopefully putting your own style into it a little bit but um yeah all all levels all levels spar i'd like to see a spar more but um still trying to figure that out um what's the hang up there it's just the timing um in scheduling classes mm-hmm. getting the the different content or curriculum yeah. in like teaching them how to do the kicks and how to do the combinations which can help them when they spar but it's not still the same as sparring yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, back in the mid '80s when I started, it used to be you would spend a few minutes of your class doing some kicks and punches, and most of the class was just sparring. You know? Sure. Um, that seems but, to be a universal thing across the all all of the martial arts. Twenty years ago, fifty years ago, seventy years ago, was this harder? It was a rougher <laughs> version. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. It was. Is different, and I'm sure the the 70s were even different from the 80s. But um. I had a very brief stint in Aikido, and the guy who was like the gym owner and my instructor, his instructor was the the chief pupil of the founder of Aikido, hmm. Morihei Oeshiba, or maybe the founder's son. Right, so he's three or four generations or layers away from like the overly romanticized old school hard-nosed version of it mm-hmm. and i remember i i don't remember a lot other than bendy wristy that hurts kind yeah, of stuff yeah. you, you bend and, and twist your wrist the wrong you way and send your body it, flying yeah it doesn't and, feel good um but i remember him one time saying that he's he said I, I basically learned by getting thrown around for two years 
I'm like, yeah. that's that's a way of starting it, I guess. Like, did they explain anything along the way? You know, I kind of, I guess, I guess, oh, I yeah, like yeah, a, a mixture of the two, the old school and the new, because we know so much about teaching people now. You know, yeah, that kind of reminds me of what, like I said, karate what seemed to be more when when I started back in the mid '80s was there was a lot of all right, just pad up, let's spar, and then you'd go spar the upper belts, and they would kick you and punch you, and and then they they might be kind enough to you know kind of tell you what you had to work on. Or, mm-hmm. It's like you gotta you gotta block more. I'm like, yeah, but how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Put your hand in front of your face, right? So, yeah. um, you know, that was uh, those were some of the some of the things. It was just, and and honestly, doesn't jujitsu sparring feel a little bit like that? Yeah, it's kind of old, more old school, and yeah. I, I kind of like that in a way. Yeah, so. you're going to slap hands with a brown belt, and it might be an ass kicking. It might be kind of a private lesson. It might yeah. be. Yeah, and it still comes back to what it was even back in the 80s when it, when it would spar with upper belts. You just had to respect them. Yeah. You know, and respect their knowledge. Yeah. Um, so, like, the if you're, spar, if you're rolling with a um, upper belt in jiu-jitsu uh, as a white belt i'm not gonna go in there and go oh yeah i think i'm gonna, I'm gonna smith this i'm gonna try this i'm smith this guy mm-hmm. you know anyway obviously i'm trying but mm-hmm. i'm gonna do it in a respectful way because if i'm not respectful i'm gonna find myself in a quick hurry in a position that is gonna have a little more intent and purpose in its choke or its arm bar or whatever um, very politically stated there yeah. <laughs> so it's you're gonna um, get your ass kicked is, is pretty pretty much yeah um so I think that's important and, you know, I just like to think that I, I would hope that, you know, you can gain that, that respect that you're rolling with somebody for their knowledge and then they'll be more likely to pass it on to you mm-hmm. versus if you're trying to think, well, let's see what this brown belt is made of. Well, they're going to show you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. So I have, I have no delusions of, of, of my, my, my position in the pecking order that's the good thing about sparring is you you can't develop those delusions no there's no there's none for me yeah uh two closing thoughts from you one tell me the name of your gym the address where it's at and then two uh any other thoughts you have open for them so the um like i said my school is usa karate rosemount we're down in uh rosemount at 14789 south robert trail Right on the intersection of County Road 42 and 3. There's a little shopping center down there. Um, so that's where we're located. Um, and I would say that in, in kind of closing, I think one of the things that differentiates my school you know, from other martial arts schools um, in the area um, is that we, in addition to teaching the physical skills, the kicking, punching, and self-defense, we also incorporate into our program uh, character development, leadership development training which is a specific uh, program that's uh, proprietary to us. And we, we uh, all students, that's part of their curriculum is they, they have to work on their, their character worksheets, you know, making sure they're doing their chores at home without being asked, uh, being kind to their family members, um, teachers at school, um, eating healthy, you know, exercising, uh, helping out in the community as well as uh, turning in worksheets on what we call words of the month. So every every month there's a word and we talk to the students and they have to uh, answer those questions and show that they're retaining some knowledge in that as well. So that's that's 
kind of our, our deal. So we're, as, as I like to say, we're, we're, uh, leaders are formed. So love it. Thanks brother. All right. Thanks for having me.